So a fun fact is we have 70,000 thoughts every day, approximately. That's the average. 90 to 95% of those thoughts are the same as yesterday. That's why it's so hard to change our minds. So I would say pay attention to what your mind is on auto repeat, just kind of running through your head, because those are unconscious thoughts that are draining you. So I would actually write them down like, oh, wow, I was brushing my teeth today. And like, these are the thoughts that were going through my, make them conscious so that you can choose them. You can choose if that's serving you. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Dr. Neha Sangwan. Neha is an internal medicine physician, an international speaker, and corporate communication expert. Her private practice and corporate consulting focuses on empowering individuals, organizational leaders, and their teams with the tools for clear and effective communication. She addresses the root causes of stress, miscommunication, and interpersonal conflict, often healing chronic conditions such as headaches, insomnia, anxiety, depression, and burnout. She consults with organizations such as the American Heart Association, American Express, Apple, Kaiser Permanente, and Google. Today on the show, we discuss how to prevent and reverse burnout, what burnout actually means, and the three main signs that you're suffering from it, the three stages of burnout, and how to know if you're entering the final phase, the pivotal role that boundaries play in your relationship with burnout, some hidden things that drain your energy that you may not be aware of, how to have a conversation with your partner that is overworking, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Dr. Neha Sangwan to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Neha, welcome to the podcast. Oh, so good to be with you. Thank you, Doug. All right, I'm excited to chat with you and I'd like to get right into it. And so my first question is, how can we begin to reverse burnout? Yeah, it's a question that is really sweeping the world right now. And, and I think so many people are just feeling this immense sense of overwhelm is really how they describe it to me, that the pace of change has exceeded their ability to cope with that change. And I have to tell you, over the last few years, one of the most heartwarming parts of this has become that I've been a doctor for decades. And what I have seen in the last few years is an openness of not only our minds, but our hearts to the experience of so many people. Before this, it used to be about judgment. Oh, you're burned out, you can't hack it, right? And I experienced that myself 20 years ago. But what I'll say that people are now showing up with is the transparency that they're feeling this level of overwhelm and they're receiving the compassion and comfort from others rather than judgment. So I wanna say if that's anyone out there, if it's you, what I want to wanna to begin with is I've been there. I've been there and, you know, it doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter your income level. It doesn't matter where you live. Yes, we are in a global tsunami of overwhelm. So, you know, what can we do? Well, first of all, I think people need to understand what is burnout. What actually is it? 
And then if they are experiencing it, what are some steps they can take uh, to, to help that? Would you, would you mind if I just start there? Of course. Sure. So um, burnout. We never learned this in medical school. So if you or your doctor doesn't know this, uh, you, you didn't miss anything. We, we aren't taught this. But burnout is defined as um, three you know, aspects. One is, of course, physical, ex emotional exhaustion. The second one is that it's not just that. It's that slowly creeping in beside it comes this cynicism. These thoughts that are like, yeah, well, it doesn't matter how hard I work. It's not going to make a difference anyway. Oh, yeah, no one really values me here and sees who I am and my gifts. So why am I even working this hard? So this cynicism creeps in along the exhaustion. And then the last piece is ineffectiveness, where you actually, what happened to me 20 years ago, I literally hit the wall of burnout and it's ineffectiveness. So the three important things to remember about burnout, physical and emotional exhaustion, coupled with cynicism, and finally, ineffectiveness. So people will say to me, oh, I was fine this morning, and then I collapsed on my bed, I burned out. That's not, that's not how burnout works. Your body, uh, you know this, Doug, through fitness and through you know, your experience, the body relies on feedback mechanisms, and your physiology is something that adjusts over time. And so there's actually three phases of burnout. The first one is the alarm phase. And it's when you, it, it almost feels like something has happened that you're on a treadmill going a little faster than you should be. You know, that like skip in your heart, that adrenaline, that experience. Sometimes it's with a new job, a new promotion, a new environment, a new experience. You can feel that. Now, if you just do that and then things go back to normal, your physiology goes right back to where it was and it's fine. Your body can handle that. That's the fight or flight response, right? That's stress. Now, if you get on that treadmill that's going a little too fast in the alarm phase, but then you, know, you don't slow down, you start to make that your way of life, you move into the second phase of burnout called the adaptation phase, where now you think that's normal. So you're just you're just uh, functioning at that much higher level, even though you're feeling that it was a little bit alarming, too much for you. And then if you stay there long enough, and something like the pandemic occurs, people say, "Oh my God, I I just slid right into burnout." Yeah, that's right, because you were already functioning at the adaptation phase where you've been going too fast for a long time. There isn't reserve in the body. I mean, how important is it to take rest after you work out? so important, right? It's like your body knows it needs to reject, uh, rejuvenate, rest, and repair so that it can do it again. So when we don't do that as humans, we actually you know, slide down the slippery slope of burnout. So the three phases are the alarm phase. That's the treadmill going too fast. When you stay there for an extended period of time, you move into the adaptation phase. And then lastly, you slide down the slippery slope of burnout to the ineffectiveness uh, exhaustion phase. So you asked me at the beginning here, what do people do to get out of this? First, I'd say you have to recognize you're in it, right? What's the difference between somebody who's just tired from a long week and somebody who's actually been adjusting their life for a long time to get to a space where they're completely out of reserve? 
So I, I want to jump in really quick because I have a, a quick follow up question. Um, in that you you identified like the the three main signs for burnout are exhaustion, like mental and physical exhaustion, ineffectiveness, and cynicism, right? Yeah. And so I think you mentioned that it's burnout isn't just being tired. It's not just all of a sudden feeling okay one one morning and then the, the next day you're like, I, I hit a wall and I'm tired. It's this progressive thing. But some of these symptoms sound a lot like somebody who's also depressed, right? How can somebody begin to, before we be, we talk more about how to reverse burnout and identify that, I know a lot of people right now are dealing with de with depression. So how can people begin to identify the differences between the two so that they can take the the proper step forward? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a great question. And so what I'd say is sometimes burnout does go through down the path through depression. D depression can be very, very commonly one of the things people experience as they're burning out. And that will usually happen in the second phase. You know, when I told you there's like an adaptation phase where you, you stay on that treadmill going a little too fast and you're trying to keep up, trying to keep up. And that cynicism starts coming in. When you start to get pretty tired and you start pulling back from your relationships because they're taking too much energy, you start to distance yourself from human contract. You don't feel like being social anymore or you've disconnected yourself from the meaning of your work, the purpose of your life, right? That the things that used to bring you meaning and joy no longer do. So yes, depression can be along the path of burnout. Let me, let me give you a little bit of the signs and symptoms. So the first thing I wanna say is, anything I'm gonna say after this about signs and symptoms, they could, these signs and symptoms could also be something medically or physically wrong with you. So you don't first go to, hey, am I burned out? If you have these signs and symptoms, the first thing you do is, let me see my medical provider. Let me see my a professional. Let me get a clear bill of health physically. Then you move to, okay, if they tell me I'm okay, but I still don't feel okay, now let me look at the possibility of burnout or some or depression or something else, right? Other than a, a straight physical symptoms. So let's take the alarm phase. The alarm phase, early phases of burnout, you might you you may start to notice some physical symptoms like your heart racing, uh, GI discomfort, maybe you have some loose, you know, stools, or you feel constipated. The reason for that is oftentimes ner our nervous system will start triggering us even when we're emotional. So it doesn't even just have to be something physical. It can actually be something emotional. You, you know, little kids, they, what do they say? They're like, they're playing just fine. And then you say, okay, it's time to go to school. And they're like, mommy, I have a tummy ache. They, what do we say as parents? We say, oh, you're just fine. I saw you playing with your brother. You're just fine. Get up and go to school. But you know what that can be a sign of? Oh, it's not safe on the bus on the ride to school. Their bodies talk to them immediately. So when we were young, our bodies were really readily, we were connected to them. As we got older, we learned to override those messages. So what do we do? We say, I'll have a, you know, a latte. Oh, no, I'll have an espresso. Make it a double, right? We start to have more and more ways that we override our body's way of speaking to us. So in the alarm phase, you may feel some of those initial signals, 
Well, as you, what would you see? You'd see things like, oh my gosh, I never forget appointments. I just completely missed that appointment. Maybe you notice yourself coming in later, staying later at work, things that just aren't quite you. That's the alarm phase. When you move into the adaptation phase that I spoke about, that's when you're, this has been going on for a while. And now you start to have those symptoms you were speaking about, which is energetically, you know, I'm just feeling lower. Like I just, I I can't get the energy up that I used to. Maybe you're moving into some anxiety and depression. Maybe you're in that cynicism space. Now, where I know they're getting to the end of adaptation is when they start disconnecting and not even caring. Apathy is a big sign that you're heading to the final phase of burnout because the moment you don't care anymore, you're not going to pick anything up. And that's where the depression usually enters. And then in the final phase is really an emergency because that is you cannot recover even after a week or time off, right? You're still as tired as you were before. You're not able to recover. And then it's depression, uh, suicidal thoughts is the most extreme version of that. Along the way is also addiction. And that's usually between, uh, it can happen between adaptation and um, exhaustion phase because people start to need so much of their coping mechanism that they start to turn to alcohol, drugs, whatever it is. They need more and more of it and they they don't realize how they got there. So what I want to say is that these are the extreme, more extreme versions of of burnout where you're literally going to be hitting a wall. But there's a whole middle ground there where you can pick things up much earlier. And so the way I think about burnout is where you are from burned out to fully charged can be determined by whether you have a net gain or a net drain of energy on a physical, mental, emotional, social, or spiritual level. And that's how you figure out. Because over like burnout is... um, The way I describe it is it's as unique to the individual experiencing it as your fingerprint. How you got there was a series of experiences and choices and, you know, maybe traumas and family upbringing and culture and all sorts of things. So is that, does that feel a little bit clearer? Yeah, for sure. Um, It definitely makes sense. And I would love to like close the loop on the reversing the the burnout. Like if somebody's listening to this and they're they're hearing what you're saying and they're like, ah, I think this is definitely me. I need to change this right now. What are the first few steps they should take? Great. So the first few steps you want to take is you want to start physically. You really want to pay attention to how you are taking care of this body of yours. Because If you're running around like crazy, if you're not sleeping, if you're not fueling it, right, you're not drinking enough water, you're not. So just really on a basic level, what I would do is ask you a few questions in each of these levels. Body-wise is one of the best ways to repair is sleep. So if you're somebody who thinks, listen, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Hey, I'll sleep on the weekend. This could be a big issue because there's three things that happen when you're when you sleep. The first one is physical repair of your muscles and immune system repair. That happens when you're sleeping. The second one is memory consolidation. And the third one is emotional processing. 
So your body, people think, oh, sleep is a waste of time. It's not that big of a deal. No, 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 no. Sleep is not a waste of time. There's an inner to-do list that's getting done while you sleep. So you want to first say food, sleep, energy, movement. Those are like some really simple, you know, basic things that most people know, but don't always follow. So that's physical. On mental, so you got to figure out where are you having a leak of energy? Where Where's the net drain of energy? That's where you really want to focus first. Maybe you're somebody who's really fit. You're really, you're on top of your physical body. Then that's not where you'd start. You want to ask yourself some mental questions. You want to say, what are the top three thoughts that run on repeat in my head? So when, when you're just driving, when you're in the shower, when you're up at night, when you're first thing in the morning, what are like the thoughts that are on repeat in your head? Just put three of them down and then pay attention to those thoughts. Are those thoughts about what you have or don't have? What are you focused on? Are those thoughts about things you can control or not control? And are those thoughts about the past, the present, or the future? They could be about things you regret in the past. They could be about worry about the future. So pay attention to your thoughts because that's another level that you might be having a net drain of energy. Um, quick question. So, so you brought up that in order to come out of burnout, you need to address your, your physical health. You need to take care of your sleep. You need to exercise. You need to take care of all that stuff. I know in my experience, when I've been burned out and talking to other people who have been burned out, their energy levels are so depleted and they're so overwhelmed because they, they're like, what's wrong with me? Why is this happening to me? Am I going to feel like this forever? That a, the thought of just completely reversing something in your health seems completely overwhelming and people will then look at turn to things on the internet and they'll say, they'll say to do this, do that. And then people get confused and they often just don't do anything with, with, with that said, what are a few like simple things that have worked for you when you're in that state where you don't have a lot of energy, you don't have a lot of emotional bandwidth, but they've at least helped you like slowly crawl out of that, that hole. Yeah. So the very, if you are burned out, so if you are at the end, right? Like, oh, wow, I really can't work. I can't function. The first thing you need to do is help your biology get back into rhythm. That's why I was saying sleep is so important because think about it. When you're sick, what do you want to do? You want to lay in bed and you want to sleep because that's where your physiology takes over and starts doing what it needs to do. So oftentimes the person who's burnt out might be pretty high functioning until they burn out. Now, if they just can't do anything, right? The reason I was going through the physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual pieces was sometimes people experience a level of exhaustion that is really on an emotional level. And for that, I would have them they need to speak to somebody, get a different perspective, be able to expand um, their perspective on what's happening, right? Um, if it's something around their thoughts, right, I would guide them to a different, a different set of tools. If it's on a physical level, which I know it was for me, I was a busy doctor. I was on 36-hour shifts. I, I was up some nights. I, some days I was working days. Right. So to each person, what I'd say is there's going to be 
you need to know where you're having a net drain of energy. Because chances are it's not on all five levels, physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual. Some people have a strong network. They have a good community, but they feel really drained because they're negative self-talk and they're not really taking care of themselves. Well, if you had a strong social community when we did this, because that's the question I'd ask on social, name the top five people online or in person that you spend the most time with and tell me whether you're having a net gain or a net drain of energy from that. Let's say this person had a good social group of people, but was feeling really like low emotionally um, and physically. Well, then I would ask them to use that social network to help them, right? That's the time when maybe you, you don't want your friends to know you're going through a hard time, but there might be one or two of them that you could confide in that would help you. That you but you have to know what gives you energy and what drains you of energy. Because to eat for some people, social is like, no, 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 that's not me, right? Then maybe what they need is a more private uh, space to, to do this. So I believe, Doug, that the reason burnout is such an epidemic is because people try to say things like, oh, we're going to have a massage chair in the office on Fridays. Oh, we're going to send you a bag of vegetables, right? Like, that's not what it is. It's, it's every person, by the time you get there, has gotten there because there's a unique path that you took to get there. And you have, the first thing I'd have someone do is just take, you know, I'll give it to you. It's a link where they can, in 15 minutes, go through a series of questions to assess where they're having a net gain or a net drain of energy. And I'll literally just walk them through in a little six minute video on each section, maybe, right? I don't remember how many minutes it is, but I'll walk them through how to answer those questions and know it for themselves. Because the fir very first step is, where's the drain of energy? Because there's so many ways we can, we can be drained. So it's a little hard for me to answer that question generically. Uh, as soon as I know what area it is, then it's much easier for me to guide them. What would you say... Um you know, and all the work and research that you've done for your for your book and even in your own life and, and as your history as a doctor, what would you say are the the top few things that you've just seen that consistently drain people's energy that they may not be paying attention to? Okay. That's that's a great question. Because number one is boundaries. People either have been hurt in the past and they have rigid boundaries. Nobody, nothing gets in, nothing gets out. Well, when you do that, you, you keep yourself safe in many arenas, but you also don't let in laughter, connection, and love. You don't let in appreciation and connection. Then there's the people who have porous boundaries. Like they let anyone and anything in because they don't want to feel rejected. And so they kind of live their life from the outside in. So they their mood will change depending on which environment they're in. So they'll, they'll, if you have to continuously adjust to your environment, that's a lot of energy. And so they lose a lot of energy. And so what I would say is healthy boundaries is something we really have never been taught. And we think it's rude if we say to somebody else, thank you so much for that invitation. I think tonight's gonna be better. I've had a long week. I think tonight's going to be better if I just kind of rest and, and recover, 
right? We feel so confused in how do we not offend somebody else and take care of ourselves. So I think boundaries is the number one uh, experience that I notice. Or people will stay in a job because they feel like they're trapped, like they have to. They don't feel appreciated. Maybe their boss doesn't treat them well or they don't like the environment. But they stay anywhere because they're so afraid of going out and figuring out what to do, right? Like what other options are there? Um, so I think some of it is about... And the third one I'd say is uh, conflict in relationships and inability to communicate with oneself or the people you care about. Uh, because our inability, no one ever taught us how to navigate money, navigate relationships, or navigate our emotions. And I think when we have physical signals coming up in our bodies, like for me, it's throat constriction and stomach turning, rather than ever figuring out what that meant or deciphering it and using it as a powerful data, I just overrode it by working harder and harder. So then would you say the inverse is also true that if you have healthy boundaries, if you're in a, in a job that you, you like and that you have healthy communication tactics, are those the three biggest things that people may not pay attention to that can lead to this net gain in energy to help them avoid burnout? I do think uh, I do think that I would say it starts by being able to decipher your own body's unique language, the signals that your body gives you. What do you mean by that? Um, so for many years, I used to have this sensation of throat constriction. I didn't know what it meant. I it, it almost was like an annoyance to me, like ugh, when there's that thing that feels uncomfortable again. Like, what is that? For many years, you know, it wasn't until I was in medical school that I talked to doctors into putting me under anesthesia and putting a camera down me to look and see if I had cancer because I was busy studying about it all in school. And I was convinced that that sensation must be like a lump in my throat because after a while it never ceased. It was like constantly there. After the second one scoped me, he said, your throat looks perfectly fine. I suggest you get some stress management techniques. Now, while I was relieved that I didn't have a lump in my throat or cancer, I was like, what do you want me to do with that? Like, so what I'd say is there's some really cool ways that you can, in just a few minutes, get your physiology back into balance. So let me tell you how crazy this is. Your body does not know the difference between what's real or imagined. So when you're sleeping, if you have a nightmare, let's say someone's chasing you, breaking into your house, uh, you know, running after you, falling over a cliff, I don't know what it is, but whatever the nightmare is about, when you wake up and you're sweating and your heart is racing and the covers are thrown off you, you look around and what's going on? It's like peaceful, pitch black, nothing. But your body reacts to your thoughts as if they're real. So if you start to feel trapped in a relationship, a job, uh, wh wherever you are, you start to feel this loneliness, this isolation. Let's say you and I say, this is just a simple example, but let's say I'm a mom and I'm worried about my kids or a parent 
and I'm worried about my kids and they're not coming, they haven't come home. They're 15 minutes late. If I go through the scenarios in my head that they might've gotten in a car crash and what if they, you know, all these things, my body literally goes through that emotional roller coaster as if it's real. So us doing all this anxiety and worry that we all have, uh, you know, a lot of people have in the world. I cannot tell you how quickly we deplete our own emotions, our own energy. So it it's all connected. Your body, your mind, your heart, your emotions, you know, what you want and and how you then engage with other people in the world. It is so interconnected. So wherever you begin to make things better, it will influence the other areas. Like given that there's been so much information out there over the last, I mean, especially the last five years about taking care of yourself, making sure that you're passionate about what you do, boundaries, healthy relationships, like all this stuff has been talked about like immensely over the last five years. And yet we're in this burnout epidemic, as you said, like, why, why are we, why are we here right now? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, it's a combination of us as humans deciding that we are going to collectively focus on speeding up our external worlds. So think about what every company does. If you're a communication company, you want to get communicate faster. If you're a delivery company, you want to be FedEx or DHL, you want to get things faster. So we have, as, as a collective human species, we have decided a few external rules. They are faster is better, do more with less each year, and profit over people. Now, why would we individually allow ourselves to override our own body's signals of exhaustion, tiredness, all of these things, and buy into that world? Well, because just as much as we need sleep and food, we so too want to belong. We are humans who care to belong with one another. So if the outside world tells us that this is what success is, we buy into it from a very young age. We want to make our parents proud. We want to succeed in society. We want to get the girl. We want to have the family and the car and the life. And so we think that this is the path there. And what I think we have forgotten about is that if faster is better, I would argue together is faster. Meaning we have made our external world so fast that it actually doesn't match our own biology. We have sped things up. We communicate 24-7 around the world, nonstop, social media, right? Like everything we've done has exploded the external world, but nobody has actually taken into account what our inner internal biology needs, which is what? Rest, exertion, rejuvenate, re-exertion. Like our own physiology requires something different than the world we've co-created. And, and so now what I believe, and this is where the spiritual energy comes in, I call spiritual energy, what matters most to you, your highest values. If for you, let's say one of your highest values, I, I mean, my reading about you and um, my awareness of you says that health is one of your 
highest values. Would that be true? Yes. So in your world of, of making decisions in a complex world, so our world now is moving really fast. It's much more complicated. And most people don't, haven't done the work to figure out what their highest values are. And if you don't know your, so my top five values, my top five values are love, integrity, service, beauty, and play. So those are things. And when I say uh, I had some judgment around beauty and play, but I really, I took one week and I wrote down everything I thought was beautiful. It was like, a parent looking in their child's eyes. It was the flowers outside. It was a beautiful person. It was uh, the way a dinner table was set. And I realized that beauty for me, I'm a very visual person, beauty matters. And so you pay attention to your top five values. And then of course you can put many things under them. Like under love, I have community, caring, empathy. You know, I have a lot of things under it. So you define it however you want to. But once you know your top five values, you and in, under integrity for me is health, physical health, physical, emotional, social, spiritual health. So now when complex decisions come my way and I have to make fast decisions, I know what I value, in what order, and then I can make pretty quick decisions. Whereas some people now in this world, it's like everything's overwhelming, like they, they don't know how to sort through it. So there's some steps here about what matters most to you in your life. And if any of you are listening and you don't know, oh, wow, I've never thought about my top five values. A great way to do that is to just bring to mind someone you admire. They can be someone who's your best friend, someone in your family, or they can be someone you just admire in the world. And then give your top, write down the top five things you value about them. What do you appreciate about them? What do you admire about them? And another exercise would be write down for yourself, what would be the most meaningful thing people could say about you when you weren't in the room? Those will reveal your highest values, some of your highest values, and that's a great place to start. But once you know your values, boy, you can make quick and effective decisions that really feel good for you in a complex world. So from what I'm hearing you say is the reason that we're so burned out right now is because society and culture and everything is just moving faster and faster and faster and that people aren't able to keep up. And there's also in many ways, there, there can be this misalignment of values and authenticity where people go after the wrong things. They don't even know what they stand for. And so then they become burned out because they're not even like fulfilled in what they're doing. With all that said, we, we talked about like... In, in order to reverse burnout from a perspective of somebody who's like in that last phase down and out, like the number one thing you said to do is really to focus on sleep. That's a great first step, but also to really take inventory on your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your social health, um, your emotional health to see like where you're lacking and then also pay attention to what's draining your energy. What about the, the just the, the the person, I would say most people probably fall into this where they're not at that end phase, but they're starting to feel like a little lethargic. They're starting to feel kind of, you know, down on their situation a little bit. And it's not because of something mental health related. It's more because of just, they're just tired of, and they're just at that point. So where does somebody go from there? We will get you back to this episode of the adversity advantage in just one second. 
But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to this episode's sponsor, Just Thrive. I have covered the topic of gut health extensively on the show and why it is so important to have a healthy microbiome. 80 to 90% of Americans suffer from some type of gut issue and 70 to 80% of your immune system is in the gut. And while cleaning up your diet and managing your stress should be at the foundation of addressing your gut health, a probiotic can certainly be very beneficial. When buying a probiotic, you want to be sure that you get one that actually works and delivers on their promises. Research shows that 99.9% of them die in your stomach acid before they reach your gut. That's where Just Thrive Probiotics stands out from the crowd. Their proprietary strains have been third-party clinically tested and proven to arrive 100% alive in your gut, unlike other probiotics that die on the way. But that's not all. Their probiotics have more clinical research than any other products on the market and are proven to work. So if you are tired of struggling with gut issues like gas, bloating, and indigestion, look no further than Just Thrive Probiotics. So for a limited time, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Thrive Probiotic. So visit JustThriveHealth.com and use promo code Doug to get 20% off. Again, it's JustThriveHealth.com and use promo code Doug to get 20% off. Now back to the show. Okay, so that is usually a sign that you've outgrown the coping mechanisms that you're in, the relationships or the community that you're in, the job description you're in, it usually means that there's something that you're outgrowing, okay? Like, or some coping mechanisms that used to work for you that don't work anymore. So let's imagine that I am somebody who for a, for a long time has had a half a glass of wine at the end of the day to take the edge off of my day. Like, hey, oh, can't wait to just get my my glass of wine. And now I notice that I need at least a full glass or sometimes two. Well, what's interesting is in my, what happens over time is that's a lot for your body to process. And so you might start feeling tired a few months into that elevated use of your coping mechanism, whatever it is. And so you're now that coping mechanism is no longer working for you. So there's either an outgrowing of, hey, the strategies I'm using to keep myself going are no longer working. Or what I would ask them to do is the assessment that I just spoke to you about, which is answer a few questions, notice where you have a net gain or a net drain of energy, and focus there. Because you can you can recover from that quite quickly if you catch it early. If you catch it early and you're like, you know what, I think I've kind of outgrown this group of people that I am socializing with, or, hey, you know, I'm in this job, I've been in it for five years, and I'm kind of on autopilot, and I don't get, I'm not excited to get up any, anymore in the morning. It's kind of like, oh, um, business as usual, I could do this on autopilot. I don't really care. Or, hey, has there been any changes in my life lately? Like, have the kids left home? Have I gotten out of a relationship? Like, what's been going on lately? You want to kind of, that's why doing the assessment at different times in your life will give you a different answer, right? So I would ask them the first thing I'd do, if, if you're catching it early and you're noticing you're not quite yourself, hey, where would I rank my food, sleep, energy, movement? Awesome. Then you'd ask, say to yourself, what would make it a 10 if you ranked it anything less than a 10? Go into the mental. What thoughts are running in my mind right now? Like, what, what am I kind of focused on? Notice. Go to emotions. What's bringing me joy here in my life? And where am I avoiding conflict and, uh, you know, challenging emotions? That's an easy one to figure out where you're, you're having a net drain. 
Then there's social. Who am I hanging out with online and in person? And then there's what, what matters most to me. And what I would then ask them to do is, once you figure out what matters most to you, right next to that, right? What percentage of your time you spend on those things that matter most to you? Where, where are you spending your time? Because if you say family is what matters most, but you're telling me 95% of your time is at work, big clue on the alignment of your spiritual energy. Right. So you're saying to go into this um, questionnaire after you've identified like, my, my sleep's been good. I'm taking care of my health. My, my movement's good. My food's good. Um, because I feel like if, if somebody's energy is off and they haven't been sleeping for like months, I mean, I would say that that's probably like the, like as we've talked about, that's the lowest hanging fruit in that situation, right? Is to address their sleep. So you, uh, when, it, when you do the assessment, the assessment to be clear for everybody listening is it's physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual. You answer all of them. Okay. And at the end of each of the energy levels, you're saying to yourself, is the physical energy giving me a net gain or a net drain overall? And the way that you figure that out is you've just had the answers to the questions here. You've ranked yourself on all of them. And then underneath you've said, okay, what would make food a 10? What would make sleep a 10? What, and the 10 is not like perfection. The 10 is you being satisfied. Like your own satisfaction is what we're assessing. So when you do it for all of them, you will see, oh, I have a net drain of physical energy and a net gain of social or net gain of emotional and mental, but drained spiritually, right? So you'll figure it out uh, as you answer those questions and they're all really important, but yes, you're right. No No one's gonna be able to exercise their way out of a bad diet. They're not going to be able to not have sleep and then think it's something else. No, it'll illuminate for you. And people will have a unique combination all the way down for themselves and depending on where they are in their life. What are your thoughts on on balance? Because I know you talk about the importance of these five pillars of, of health and energy and that each of them, if not um, taken care of properly, can have negative impacts on the others. But I mean, life happens. None of us are perfect, and I, I would under, I would guess that people are going to be falling short in one of these areas at any point in their life. So, what are your thoughts on all that? So, I've spent. I'm an. I'm a mechanical engineer. I'm an internal medicine physician. I'm an executive coach, and my life, in so many ways, was about excellence and striving and the extremes, like the all or none. And I would also say, in society, oftentimes. We are revered for being really good at something. But isn't it so interesting that what our body and our biology and our world, you know, often need is balance. Like the body needs the feedback loops, right? Our hormonal system needs all of that. So it's about both um, holding a polarity, really, where which is, yes, there are these you know, you want to be really good at whatever you love, right? You want to go deep into it and enjoy it. And integration and balance also matter. Is it important that we improve our communication and and help our world become faster and better? Of course it is. And at the same time, is it as important that we also take care of our own self-care as we do it? So what I would say is now you're speaking about the idea of polarities. So if this is 
a great, um, a simple example. Some people want all freedom with no structure. But one thing I have learned in my life is if I set up an organization of systems, whether it's in my house, on my computer, in my world, that actually gives me the ability to be flexible, right? So structure with flexibility, right? Rules with freedom. Like there's, there's polarities in our world. And one of them is, right, this idea of balance and integration along with striving. So we want to be great. We want to do accomplish the things that we want to accomplish. And we want to be balanced and integrated as we do it. So the good news about everything we're talking about is start anywhere because it will influence the other areas, right? Just like one can negatively influence the others, so can positively getting a little more sleep make you feel emotionally better right? Getting clear on what you values can strengthen your social arena because you know where, when to say no and when to say yes. And here's another one in the boundaries that I'd say. Just remember that when you say no to someone else, it's, it's not just saying no to somebody else. It's actually saying yes to yourself. If I just decide to stay in on a Friday night after a tough week, I'm actually saying yes to me. So framing things in a way that that you can really um, see that it's not just about disappointing somebody else. Uh, it's actually about taking care of yourself and holding that polarity of yourself with others. Right. So if somebody's listening to this and they're now saying, okay, I know what to do if I'm extremely burned out. I know what to do if I'm on the beginning stages of, of, of uh, burning out. I understand the importance of these five pillars and energies of, of health. Um, like, and they want to know, like, all right, like, what are some things that I can do every single week to make sure that I prevent myself from getting burned out again, that I prevent myself from um, being burned out in the future, whatever it is, like, in, in your experience, and based on what you've done in, in your work, if you were to pick like one thing for each of these five buckets that somebody could implement on a daily or weekly basis, that's going to give them the biggest bang for their buck as far as preventing burnout and, and improving their overall well-being like what would each of those be that's tough all right i'm going to just give it i'm going to give it one for each i would say get 30 minutes more of sleep than you've been getting um uh, that would be on physical um the second one under mental uh i would say so a fun fact is we have 70,000 thoughts every day, approximately, that's the average. 90 to 95% of those thoughts are the same as yesterday. That's why it's so hard to change our minds. So I would say pay attention to what your mind is on auto repeat, just kind of running through your head because those are unconscious thoughts that are draining you. So I would actually write them down like, oh, wow, I was brushing my teeth today. And like, these are the thoughts that were going through my, make them conscious so that you can choose them. You can choose if that's serving you. The one on emotional, what I'd say is pay attention to your physical, your physiology. When you have an experience, when you look on your calendar, do you feel uplifted and excited by what you see? Do you feel heavy, constricted, and depleted? Use your body and the emotional experience to help guide you. 
So paying attention to what's giving you energy and what's, you know, in your everyday uh, life. Uh, on a social level, it's really about when you leave someone online or in person, noticing if that feels um, the same thing, energizing or depleting for you. Because it's time to take inventory in your life. What may have worked for you before is no longer working if you're in the middle of this burnout experience. And the question really is, is what have you outgrown? What is it time to grow into? And change can be scary and it can be hard. And then on the spiritual piece, what I'd say to you is, we're in a world that now depends. The people who are going to do well are going to be the ones who can who trust themselves enough to innovate and adjust to a very fast changing world. That's about agility. It's about adaptability. And your ability to reinvent yourself deter is determined by you knowing what's important to you and then being able to be flexible and creative in figuring out how to adjust to this world in a way that serves you and serves the world around you. So we now have to kind of expand our thinking, right? So me, we world. And I would say that it would be the sleep, the automatic thoughts, the noticing what gives you emotional energy and drains you, noticing your interactions with people. And just because you've been with them for a really long time doesn't mean that you need to be with them moving forward. You may have learned your lessons together. They may be complete. And so just allowing, and then spiritually, it's about trusting yourself enough to innovate and reinvent yourself so that you can have what you need to feel good every day. Speaking on the social aspect of, of things, I know that it can be challenging when somebody's in a relationship with somebody or they have a loved one that is just working themselves to ex exhaustion. They're working 15 hours a day and maybe they are pursuing a dream. Maybe they're making, bringing home money for the family. They're just, they're doing their thing and it's negatively impacting their health and, and the relationship. Um, how, how can somebody navigate that in a way that is like, that makes sense where you're not like telling somebody to, to stop working. You're not telling somebody to stop chasing after their dream, but you're trying to, without changing them, trying to help them course correct a little bit to, for their own, for the, for the sake of the relationship and, and sanity. So I'm just going to use, uh, you're on the screen with me. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to act like you are that person that I need to talk to. Is that okay? Let's go. All right. So I would say, so Doug, um, there, I was wondering, uh, when I could talk to you, I probably need about 15 minutes. And um, I'm wondering when would be a good time. I know you've been really busy with work. And I'm just wondering, there's some, some things I'd like to talk to you about so that we can have a better partnership. And I'm wondering when would be a good time for you? Uh, how about Saturday? Okay, so now it's Saturday. We picked a time. It's lunch. Okay, we're, it's noon. Maybe it's our walking time. I don't know what it is. But now we're, we're there. And you say to me, Neha, what, what was it that you wanted to talk to me about? And I say, you know, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate how hard you work. I know this dream that you have is so important. And not only that, how hard you work and dedicate your time, energy, and money doing this work so that you can provide for our family. Thank you. Like, I just really want to start with saying, 
I know how much this means in the world and how, how, how giving you are to our family. What I've noticed is the last three experiences that we've had with the kids, um, you, you came late or you left early. And I heard Joey say, where's dad? And so what I'm doing here right now with you, Doug, is I'm giving you data. I'm just telling you what I've noticed. The other thing I want to, I know that we usually hang out on Sundays. And for the last six months, uh, we've done it twice. And I miss you. And so what I am wondering is, I also know that you have been, you know, getting up earlier and going to bed later. So there's a few things I want to ask you. One is, how are you? How are you feeling? Are you, how's your energy level? How are you doing? The second one I want to tell you is, um, the kids miss you. And I miss you. And so I'm wondering if there's a way that we might be able to support you in getting done what you need to get done and staying connected. How would you receive that? Um, well, I, I can go two ways with that. I would say like the ideal way would be for me to be receptive to that and be like, you know, I understand your concerns. You're right. I have been working a lot. I have been tired. I need to be paying more attention to the family, to spending time with you, to the kids, et cetera, et cetera. But I think what tends to happen is I would shut down. Okay. Give me and that I, answer. And Give I would say, answer. I would say, I'm fine. You're overreacting, right? Mm. Or I'm fine. Um, they, they're too young to understand. You know, I, I would say something like that, which I think is common. Um, and so then how would you, how would you proceed then after that? Then I'd say, okay, well, I was just noticing some things. I didn't know if you noticed them or if they were affecting you. Um, we just want to be close to you as you build your dream, right? And, and do all this. And sometimes we miss you. So at, we're just sharing with you that we love you. We miss you. And we're proud of you. Um, and what I was thinking is maybe you and I could brainstorm some ways where uh, you could have both, right? And, and so if you're open to that or whenever you are, just know that we're here and we want to um, support you. Or I'd say to this person, is there any way that I could best support you? so that you feel like you could have more time with the kids or is there something that you're doing that maybe I could take off your plate or we could have, we could have some help, right? Is there anything you're doing that you think could be taken care of by someone else to give you even more time? Right? Cause I see how hard you're working. So it's more about like valuing, going to what this other person values. When you need to connect to someone that you think is burning out they're either using work as a coping mechanism. They're sometimes avoiding. Remember when I was telling you that in the adaptation phase of burnout, they start disconnecting from relationships because it's too much energy. Um, so what I like to do is I like to just tell them, hey, I noticed you haven't slept in in the last three months. Like that was something fun. We'd watch TV and we do whatever. Um, how are you doing? And if they're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. No problem. Then it's like, oh, okay. Then it's the truth, which isn't, hey, you're not showing up for this relationship. I would never do that. What I'd say is, I miss you. I miss you. I love when we spend time together. Is there anything that we, you know, so it's more about not making somebody wrong, 
but really caring for them and then asking if there's anything that you could do to support them and appreciating what they are giving you. Right. And then main, trying to maintain um, some level of emotional like well-being and wellness when that person doesn't give you the answer that you hope, right? And that they maybe give you a little pushback and just trying to remain like even keel so that eventually, hopefully that person ends up coming coming around whenever they're ready. Well, I think the one thing for people to know is you can't force anybody into this. And some people like me have to hit rock bottom before they know that there's a thing called burnout. They literally don't, they think, like, I thought I was infallible. I'm a doctor. Like, I've done 36-hour shifts. Like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm telling other people to eat their vegetables and rest after their heart attack. And meanwhile, I'm not sleeping for 36 hours. So somehow I believed I was different. And me hitting a wall one day was what taught me, oh my gosh, wake up call central. And so sometimes, as painful as it is, we have to allow people to lose relationships, lose opportunities, have their health crash, whatever it is, because that's the wake up call for them. But I hope that everybody listening to this follows you and listens to you because you know, and what, you, what you're really doing is trying to help them before that. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Right. I mean, we, you and me, we've gone through some pretty rough experiences. And if our lives and our pain can serve as someone else's survival guide, I'm in it. You know, I, I, I hope that can be the case. Turning uh, pain into purpose. So uh, Neha, this is, I think, a great place for us to close our combo. Wanted to thank you so much once again for coming on the show. If people want to uh, get a copy of your book. If they want to connect with you online, where's the best place to do that? Yeah, it, it'll be all over, but it's powered by me from burned out to fully charged at work and in life. And they can, they can get it on Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon, anywhere that books are sold. And if they want, uh, there's a Givington's account as well, if they decide that they want it for their company or their team or whatever. And I'm at intuitive intelligence, Inc. Dot com. So INC at the end, intuitiveintelligenceinc.com. And it's Neha Sangwan. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to include the links to that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is share a takeaway. Today's episode was super important as we covered something that so many people struggle with, and that is burnout. So whether your takeaway was something that you learned about what causes um, burnout or um, uh, the, the signs and symptoms of it, or what you can do if you're completely burned out or what you can do if you are in the beginning stages of burnout, why the five pillars of energy and health are so important, whatever your biggest takeaway was, make sure to tag Neha and tag myself because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. We'll see you next time.